You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 545 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live from State Farm Arena on this fine Saturday evening, the first of a back-to-back set for the Hawks, and I'll be in the building for both of these games. The first one was entertaining in some ways. It was sort of a slog, I would say, for about the first two and a half quarters or so. Not the, not the most well-played game in the world, but it definitely became entertaining down the stretch. A lot of back and forth, and the Hawks had a shot in the air that would have won the game in the final seconds. It did not go in, of course, and they lose by a final score of 114-112. Um, so a lot to talk about on this podcast. It'll be pretty much a game-only pod. Not too much news to hit on here. So we will start with the top of this contest. The Hawks were four-and-a-half-point home, home underdogs. Um, not a huge surprise there. Brooklyn came in having won both of that, both matchups against the Hawks this year in New York uh, by pretty lopsided fashion, and they're just a better team, obviously. Um, the Hawks did hold serve, obviously, and actually covered the spread despite losing the game here, but uh, pretty easy to see why the Nets were favored, especially considering the uh, Hawks' front court situation and as being as shorthanded as they actually are which we'll talk about here as we get going here. But the early going was actually pretty kind to the Hawks. They had three dunks in the first 99 seconds of the game. They led 6-0, and that sort of prompted a timeout from Kenny Atkinson. Defensively, the Hawks elected to go with Torian Prince on D'Angelo Russell, which worked pretty well, I thought, in the first half and really the entire game. The Hawks did a pretty good job on Russell, who was not efficient in any way in this game with 18 points on 23 shot attempts. They elected to try to hide Trey Young on Alan Crabb, which ended up working out well as well because uh, Crabb was really struggling with his jump shot, and that's kind of his only thing that he does offensively. So a good strategy point there from Lloyd Pierce. The Nets started out 1 of 10 from 3, including a trio open corner threes from Crabb that he missed pretty badly. He was, he was off really all night long. Still, though, the defense, I thought, was kind of a mess in the first half. Um, The full game numbers for the Hawks, I will say, um, you know, were not not really that bad defensively in this game just because the Nets didn't make a lot of shots. I thought, especially in the first quarter, Atlanta got bailed out quite a bit by Brooklyn missing shots. The defense was kind of all over the place, and uh, they felt pretty fortunate there, in my opinion. Um, The Hawks... Basically navigated most of this game with only with only three uh, true big men in um, in I guess uh, if you can count Vince Carter as a big man uh, Alex Lynn John Collins and Vince Carter they, they did go to Tyler Zeller and Justin Anderson briefly but it was basically a three man wrecking crew in the front court which I wanted to point out here in the first quarter. Um, I will say, though, Anderson got minutes ahead of Zeller, uh, and I, I thought at that point in time Zeller wasn't going to play. Um, he's, of course, the newly acquired 10-day contract guy who was a pure center, to be sure. Anderson played in the first half, and then Zeller came in the second half, so they kind of flip-flopped there with what they wanted, it appeared. But the, the, Nets got, the Nets attempted 19 threes in the first quarter, which is an off-the-charts number. Uh, granted, I think some people would blame that on them just kind of launching, but uh, if, you, if you went back and watched the first quarter of this game, the Nets got a really a lot of a lot of good looks, honestly. They just, they just missed a lot of them, and pretty good shooters missing those looks as well. So the Hawks got favorable um, bounces in that spot. Still, the offense was a, kind of a mess for Atlanta in the first in the first quarter, and as a result of that, they, they trailed by three points, despite a strong start from John Collins, who was great throughout this contest. Really, I have, I have in my notes right now uh, that the second quarter um, was at least sort of hideous, um, for part of this, and that kind of goes in tandem with the first quarter. 
Uh, Collins was awesome early on with 14 and 10 in about the first quarter and a half. There was a B.J. Johnson sighting briefly in the, in the second quarter, um, potentially because both Torian Prince and Kent Bazemore had two fouls each, but also could have been just lackluster play and the Hawks trying to get some shakeup minutes. Um, I thought um, Johnson really struggled, honestly. Three point, uh, sorry, three fouls in six minutes, but we'll come back to him in a moment. There was a nice run from the Hawks to tie the game on a Torian Prince three with about five minutes to go in the first half, but then, a, then an 11-2 run by the Nets to take control, and they sort of own things at the end of the first half as a result of that. Um, the Nets were not great on offense in the first half, but got, did not turn the ball over really at all, and had not, not offensive rebounds, whereas the Hawks just couldn't make a shot outside of John Collins and had 16-12, and 12, but that was basically it in the first half, and as a result, Atlanta went into the halftime break down by nine points. The second half, as you might imagine, was better because of the fact that the Hawks were able to close the gap. The third quarter was a lot of runs, I thought. Um, just back and forth, Hawks getting, getting within five pretty quickly. Then the Nets had an 8-2 to two run that prompted a timeout from Pierce with about eight minutes to go in the third quarter with the Hawks down by 11. They looked to be in serious trouble, honestly, at that point in time. Torrey Prince had his fourth foul shortly after that, but they came to life in a hurry with an overall 10-0 run. The first six of which um, forced a timeout from Atkinson. They brought in Tyler Zeller, who actually kind of helped things for at least the a brief moment in the third quarter. The Nets didn't score for, for almost three minutes, actually more than three minutes of clock time, and that 10-0 run tied the game at 70. The Nets did, did, did sort of finish the quarter well, though, with a 9-2 run to take control of things once again. The Hawks were down by six. And uh, actually became a 12-2 run overall when did we did when he opened the, th the fourth quarter with a three of his own. But the fourth quarter was kind of a crazy back and forth in a lot of ways. It was a quick run from Atlanta to get back within three. Uh, the highlight of the night for the fans, I believe, was the Ed Davis free Chick-fil-A moment. Ed Davis was one of six from the free throw line in this game, including a pair of uh, free throws that he missed in the fourth quarter. If you are a new listener or are not familiar with this, um, the Hawks run an in-arena promotion. Uh, if, if an opponent misses two free throws in a row in the fourth quarter, then uh, the entire place gets, gets free Chick-fil-A, and uh, Davis missed missed pretty badly on both of those, and uh, the arena erupted as a result of that, which was always a fun time. Um, young Trey Young came, came back in with about nine minutes to go and play the rest of the way with good reason. He had it going in the fourth quarter. We'll come back to him in a moment. But the Hawks got, got it within two, despite the uh, fact they just couldn't make threes throughout this entire game. Took care of the ball, though, which is very good. We'll talk about that in a second as well. But from there, a lot of back and forth. Young hits a big three to tie the game with six minutes to go. Um, Vince Carter finishes at the rim with about four and a half minutes to go to go up by three, um, which is the biggest lead for the Hawks at, in a long, long time at that point in time. And then Young hit a three with about four minutes to go to go up by four. That was the biggest lead the Hawks had down the stretch. Um, he, along with John Collins, who finished moments later with another uh, dunk to go back up by four. But then the last three minutes, or so were owned by Brooklyn. A Jared Allen three-point play with 2.15 to go to get it back to one, and then a D'Angelo Russell three was the biggest shot of the night probably with, with 140 left to put the Nets up by two after they had been trailing for about three, four minutes straight there. And then Kevin Herter got to the rim and missed. That was a brutal one, honestly, for Herter, who was trying to, I think, avoid contact, just didn't make the layup at the rim. That ended up being a big swing because the Nets then... Um, Actually, no, so Herter then, I should say, fouled um, silly, uh, in silly fashion, fouled Damari Carroll, who uh, made both to put Brooklyn up by four points. Look, the Hawks looked to be in trouble at that point in time. They did, they did sort of get back into it, obviously. Young got to the line, made one of two, and then they got a, a big stop when did when he missed the layup at the rim. Collins uh, scored to get back there, and there was some, some weirdness with an official review with less than a minute to go. Um, at the end of the day, the Hawks got a stop against the Nets and then had a weird possession with Torian Prince getting up an air ball that looked like he was trying to avoid contact. Um, sort of a weird just angle on things. Didn't have a perfect angle to see that, but didn't look like it was necessarily a foul at first blush. I can't really see the replay of that one um, as I record this now as I'm just realizing that I, I did not ever see that again. But it was a weird, weird play to be sure that uh, Torian did not get a call or strike rim on that one at all. Um, the Hawks then, there, there was, there was then a jump ball with 22.6 seconds to go that um, was a weird thing as well, where then the Hawks did 
didn't get it back and ended up with the Nets. They had to from there, um, you know, foul and do, do the scramble game. But at the end of the day, the Hawks' final possession, both Lloyd Pierce and Trey Young were positive about what happened on that final possession. It wasn't necessarily pretty, but the ball in Trey Young's hands down two. Pierce said they wanted to get, they wanted to win the game right then and there, so the, the, the objective was to probably take a three. Um, it wasn't like they had to do that. If they had found somebody for an open dunk, they probably would have taken that, I'm sure. But um, at the end of the day, you know, it wasn't great process necessarily in the, fourth, in the uh, last possession, but Young was trapped, which was not a huge surprise. It was always going to be in his hands just to open that possession, but kicked it out to Vince Carter, who had a good look. It was a long, long three, I will say. It was not like it was a wide open catch and shoot uh, in perfect position, but it was a definitely a makeable shot, one that Vince is certainly capable of making. And Lloyd Pierce talked about the fact that he's a great shooter and just missed it, and that's, that's going to happen every once in a while, and the Hawks lose this game by two points as a result of that. Uh, we will talk about the individual players in a moment because there's a lot to get to when it comes to individual players in this game. I will say, though, we will start with some big picture um, some big picture things here. It's, uh, you know, offensively in this game, the Hawks just couldn't make a shot. That's something Lloyd Pierce kept saying after the game. They were 8 of 41. 8 of 41 from 3, and uh, you know that's going to happen sometimes. You're just not going to make shots, but Vince Carter, 0 of 6. Jalen Adams, 1 of 6. Um, Alex Lynn, 1 of 7. Uh, Kevin Herter, even 0, 0 of 2. 0 of 2 from B.J. Johnson, 0 of 2 from DeAndre Bembry. So just a lot of misses from up and down the roster. Um, to the Hawks' credit, they took they, they took care of the ball. Only ten, only ten turnovers, which is a great number for this Hawks team this year. Even Pierce mentioned that something that they don't normally do very well is taking care of the ball. But the shooting was just kind of what down what, what doomed them in this game. A 37% clip from the field as well. If you, if you remove John Collins from the equation, it's even worse than that because Collins was great and efficient in this game. But nobody else really was. Even Young, who had a triple double, we'll talk about later, was four four fourteen from the from the floor. Got to the line a lot, which was definitely helpful. We'll talk about that as well. But in general, it was a game the Hawks just couldn't make shots, and that was uh, sort of a down a down period for them. To their credit, though, turnovers and the offensive rebounding. 18 offensive rebounds allowed the Hawks to get a lot of extra possessions and give them a chance to steal the game. Just couldn't necessarily pull it off on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, defensively, the numbers look okay. A 108 defensive rating is uh, better than normal for this Hawks team, I will say. Um, Part of that was the Nets missing shots. Um, the Nets still finished 50, 15 of 44 from three, though, which is not too too bad. Um, you know, 15 of 44 is pretty good, especially when they they opened one of 10. So you know, 14 of 34 after that was uh, better than you would want to see if you are a Hawks fan. Obviously, 38 uh, percent from the from the floor for the Nets as well, which isn't uh, great by them. So shouts to the Hawks for playing pretty pretty de- pretty decent de- defense after the first quarter. Uh, weirdly. I thought the Nets um, just made a lot more shots after the first quarter. I actually thought in this game, anecdotally and with my eyes and on the rewatch, I thought that the Hawks played worse defense in the first quarter than they did after that, even though the Nets' numbers were bad in the first quarter and really improved after that. So sometimes it's not always about the production. Uh, you know, the process can be important. At the end of the day, the process, uh, the numbers are what matter, obviously, because that depends on what how you perform. But in general, I thought the Hawks got better as the game went along defensively, not worse even if the point scored metric does not exactly paint that picture um, in this spot. So uh, that's, that sort of covers a lot, I know, but you know, in general, the Hawks you know, didn't play that well, but scrapped, competed, um, and you know, had a chance to win. So that's kind of all you can ask for for this rebuilding team this season. Um, with that said, we can get into the individual players, but I do want to take one second to tell you guys to subscribe to the Locked On Podcast Network as well as this podcast, particularly the Locked On Hawks podcast. Please search Locked On Hawks in your podcast player of choice. I really appreciate that, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, you know, Google Podcasts, um, all those TuneIn Radio, uh, Player.fm. There's lots of different podcast players. Hopefully, we, we, hopefully you could find us on whichever pl- podcast platform that you enjoy the most. But please click that subscribe button. Please leave a review if you're able to do that on your on your uh, network of choice. And I really, really appreciate that. So after this short break, we'll come back and talk about the individual players on this fine Saturday night. 
All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about the bench first in this game. Uh, kind of ugly, uh, up and down. The only guy with a positive net rating uh, on the bench was Vince Carter, who played starter-level minutes. So everybody else that didn't play starter-level minutes uh, really struggled in this game. We will start with uh, B.J. Johnson, only played six minutes, did not score, had three had three fouls and a turnover in six minutes. He was It was sort of his roughest game to this point in time. Not really his fault necessarily. He's, he came in pretty cold and kind of later than you would want to for his first minutes and just didn't play particularly well. Uh, DeAndre Bembry, not, didn't, not, not a ton of minutes here. 18 minutes for memory, which is kind of a surprise to me. Six points, two rebounds. Didn't have too much going there. Finished once at the rim. 0-2 from three. Kind of a quiet night from DeAndre. You know, his defense is always helpful, but that's basically all that he was able to contribute in the spot. Um, we will save Vince for the end. Tyler Zeller, seven minutes. It was pretty quiet for him. Missed one bunny at the rim kind of badly and made, made himself look, look kind of bad in that instance, but had four rebounds. Was competitive. You know, I talked to, well, not just not just me, but the entire media talked to um well, Pierce before the game, and I actually was the one that asked about Zeller and his integration. Pierce kind of said that you know it's much easier to bring in a veteran on a 10-day contract, especially when you're when you're having to play that guy and turn around and do that in only one day. The Hawks signed him yesterday, so he he did have one practice, um, but you know Pierce kind of lauded him for being able to pick up the playbook pretty quickly and be able be semi-ready to play after a short turnaround. So you know credit to him for being ready to go here. Uh, didn't embarrass himself by any means, but just didn't have too much going on offensively and defensively. He's just kind of out there and with, he's definitely a, a body of sorts, which which definitely helps. Um, Elsewhere, Jalen Adams, 19 minutes of play. A rough one for Jalen. Three, three minutes, uh, sorry, three points. Did a four assists, which is nice to see, but three rebounds, one of six from the floor, one of six from three. Only took threes and was minus 15 in 19 minutes. So as part of that, it's just being, all, being on the court without Trey because Trey is, the, the, is definitely the plus-minus guy recently for the Hawks. He's kind of the guy you know, guiding the engine offensively, but Adams wasn't great. Did have a couple of nice passes, though, and he's still a threat as a shooter when he's out there. Justin Anderson only played four minutes, actually less than Johnson and Zeller, which is uh, you know striking. I've Said all I'll said all I can say about Anderson, but uh, basically Lloyd Pierce used him as a Mario West, uh, Mario West type of player. If you were a longtime Hawks fan, you probably remember Mario West's work. They used to bring him in in short clock situations on defense as a specialist of sorts. It was kind of a running joke back then. Uh, Anderson is a better player than Mario West by far. But with that said, he's kind of been using that role at times this year, and not, not too much to discuss other than that. And then finally, Kent Bazemore, um, pretty quiet night for Kent as well. In fact, um, five fouls in 19 minutes, just didn't have it going really at all. Didn't play well, didn't play with a ton of force, five points, five, four rebounds. One of six from the floor, one of three from three. So Bays, a night, for, night to forget for him. And then Vince Carter, 4-13 from the floor, so a rough one for Vince, and 0 of 6 from 3. Uh, that's just going to happen every once in a while. Vince, I think, is an elite shooter. I've said that a few times in the last week or two. Um, but, yeah, just didn't have it going in this game with his shot. Did have three steals and was pretty active, was plus 8, 10 points, three uh, steals, two rebounds, and an assist. I didn't think he played that poorly. just didn't make shots in the way that he has been for most of the season. Uh, to the starting five in this game, the guy who I thought played the, with the least effort, and the, maybe not effort, the, less Im, the least impact was Kevin Herter. 24 minutes, 1 of 8 from the floor, 0 of 2 from 3, 4 points, 4 rebounds, and an assist. Was plus 16, a team high. That is misleading, I think, and the fact that Herter didn't play particularly well here. He was on the court with Trey a lot, which definitely helped, and just kind of the way the ball bounced in this game. I think Herter has brighter days ahead, but he didn't. He did not play with a lot of force. Had the big, had the big miss layup late in the game. Defensively, just kind of got bowled over a few few different times, and just didn't have a ton going on offensively. So he'll have better days. I think. His, I think his upside is still what it is, but uh, did not play well in my opinion in this spot. Um, Alex Len struggled early on, and then came on late. Fifteen points, seven, uh, four rebounds, I should say. 7 of 14 from the floor, 1 of 7 from 3. So he was 6 of 8, sorry, 6 of 7 from two-point range, which is not too bad, obviously. He finished around the rim effectively. Had a nice finger roll ra randomly in this game that he kind of created out of himself, but uh, didn't just couldn't make shots from three-point range, which is not just him in, in this game, obviously. But uh, didn't play particularly well in the first half. Thought he was better after that. Um, Torian Prince, 
had a couple of nice moments, a couple of nice passes, I thought, for Torian, which is not necessarily a strength of his, but he had, he had three or four good passes in this in this game, 13 points, four assists, three rebounds, a couple of bad a couple of bad shots as he is prone to do, but I thought in general it was a pretty good Torian Prince game, which was helpful in a, in a night where not too many guys played all that well for Atlanta. Uh, we'll get to the last two guys here. Uh, Trey Young had the first triple-double of his career and the first Hawks triple-double, um, for first rookie, I should say, for the Hawks to have a triple-double in franchise history, which is uh, kind of crazy. I went on a bit of a rant um, behind the scenes a little bit here. Um, kind of funny. I think you know the last rebound that Trey got in this game was one that John Collins probably should have had, and like they, I wouldn't say that, that they fought over it or anything like that, but it was one that probably should have been to Collins um, if he just grabbed it. Um, and it's kind of funny how differently we would talk about Young's performance if he had 23, 11, and nine, and the rebound doesn't really matter because the triple double is just kind of an arbitrary thing. I don't want to get too deep into that, but I think it's just a very, very overblown metric. Like for instance, if he had had 35 points, 17 assists, and nine rebounds, would that have been better or worse? <laughs> and obviously, it would have been worse, but. You know, no triple double, so you can't really describe it in one word or one hyphenated word, I should say. But I thought Young was good in the second half, legitimately. I thought he struggled in the first half um, pretty clearly. In fact, he only had, uh, I believe, he was one of uh, one of ten at one point from the floor. Um, yeah, it was it was not a particularly uh, effective performance from Trey offensively in the early going of this contest. So, you know, after halftime, you know, in the first quarter, for instance, just as, a, as an aside here, it was 0-3 for one point. He did have four assists three, and three assist rebounds, which was a nice start to his triple-double pursuit. But uh, in the first half, in total, Young was 1-6 of six for three points. Um, after that, the third quarter, he was 0 of 2, got to the line though seven times, had seven points. But uh, you know, first, first, first through third quarters, so he was 1 of 8 with um, 8 of 8 from the free throw line. So he did a lot of damage there. But in the fourth, he turned things on, obviously with 13 points, three of six from the floor, two of two from three, five of eight from the free throw line, four rebounds and four assists in the fourth. So he was obviously great down the stretch. But uh, before that, he wasn't fantastic which is worth pointing out. Still, overall, the numbers are what they are. 23 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, only two turnovers, two turnovers which is huge. Uh, he was not the only one that took care of the ball in this game, but it was good to see Trey taking care of the ball in the way that he needs to do. Um, 4 of 14 from the floor is not great, but got to the line 16 times uh, before he got hot, actually, in the fourth quarter. I tweeted that um, it was encouraging to me, at least, that Young, when he didn't, while he didn't have it going at that point in time, had gotten to the line 10 times and made nine of them. He, he got to the line after that, actually missed a few free throws down the stretch of this game, but I thought that's definitely encouraging. There's going to be nights where he can't make shots uh, um, as efficiently as you would want, but getting to the line really, really helps, especially when you're going to be a good, free, a good free throw shooter, and Young is definitely that. So um, very, good, very good signs there offensively from Trey, and he, he came alive when the lights came on, which is something that he has been prone to do this year, which is a good thing if you are a Hawks fan. Um, last but not least here, John Collins was masterful. 33 points, 20 rebounds. 33 points, 20 rebounds for John. Had an assist, a steal, and a block as well. 13 of 20 from the floor, 7 of 9 from the free throw line. It was the first 30-point, 20-rebound game by a Hawks since Kevin Willis in 1993. I was six. When Kevin Willis did that, um, you know Kevin Willis was an awesome player, but he's only the third. Collins is only the third player in Hawks history, uh, at least in the Atlanta portion of Hawks history, to have a 30-20 game along with Willis and Moses Malone. That's pretty darn good company. The last rebound didn't come to the very, very end here, but it would have been just as good if he had 33 and 19. Uh, he was fantastic. I thought he was the, he was the only guy throughout the game, you know, start to finish that was actually good. You know, Trey was great in the fourth quarter, had some nice moments before that, but John from the opening tip was really good. Uh, Pierce and Collins talked about how he took advantage of this matchup. He's been beating up on the Nets all season long. 
Brooklyn Wilma only has one guy that can really stand up to him, and that's Jared Allen. And it didn't seem like Collins was really deterred much by Allen as well. Those guys were sending draft class. I'm sure there's, there's no fear there from John. So he played well. Um, I asked about I asked Lloyd Pierce about that after the game, and he you know praised John's effort. And obviously he was quite good in this game. Without without Collins being great, the Hawks have no chance to win this game. No question about that. So he was the biggest reason why they were why they were in striking distance. I know Young gets probably some of the headlines, and he's just more famous than than Collins is right now. But no question about it. Throughout the game, wire to wire, Collins was the best player on the floor in the fourth quarter it was really both of them because the fourth quarter you know Trey had 13 and four and four Collins had 14 and seven in fewer minutes so it wasn't like it was just straight down the stretch you know Collins was great and uh, both those guys it's you know it's kind of a good thing if you're a Hawks fan obviously the two-point loss is what it is the tanking enthusiasts among us will certainly uh, be praising this game as a perfect result a two-point loss um, in a game where Collins and Young play great and I, I can't really argue against that. I don't think necessarily the wins and losses matter too much right now. The Hawks are almost certainly going to be the, the number five seed heading into the draft lottery, but you know, big picture-wise, Young and Collins playing well is more important than anything else that happens right now. I think you probably would throw Herder in the mix there as well, but those two guys are your best players, your best linchpins for the future, and those guys playing well is never a bad thing if you are a Hawks fan. So that's going to do it for today's podcast. That's plenty of information, I think, on this fine Saturday night. It's going to be late here at State Farm Arena, as you might imagine. I'll be back again, by the way, tomorrow, because the Hawks are back with a short turnaround. It's um, the, actually the clock's spring ahead tonight, so I'm losing an hour. Everybody's losing an hour, and it's actually going to be a 6 o'clock start time on Sunday. So one of the quicker turnarounds that you'll ever see in this building, honestly, a 7 o'clock game followed by losing an hour in that 6 o'clock game is some bizarre scheduling in a lot of ways, but Atlanta United plays on Sunday, so that probably has something to do with it, I'm sure. But we'll be back in, back again here with another podcast Sunday night after Hawks-Pelicans. That'll be an interesting spot in a lot of ways because the Pelicans are a banged-up, weird mess of a team right now. So the Hawks can certainly win that game, although New Orleans did not play tonight, so they'll, they'll be the, the more well-rested team, which uh, I'm sure puts the Hawks behind the eight ball just a little bit. But it should be close, a, a close-fought battle. And we'll see how the Hawks perform in that spot. Please, one more time here, please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends about the podcast. And uh, we will see everybody else on Sunday evening.